20. So we finished up uh, 2 Corinthians, and we're in between a series at this time. I will get that headset on here in a moment, I guess. Do we have a special? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, If you're able to stand, let's look at Judges chapter 20. If you're able to stand. All right. Let's look at verse 1 initially. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man. From Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead unto the Lord in Mizpah. So that is from the upper north to the lower south of Israel. And from the far west, which would be the Mediterranean Sea, all the way beyond the Jordan River, where the tribe of uh, Reuben, uh, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh occupied. And we look down at verse 8, and the people arose as one man, there's that statement again, saying, we will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us turn into his house. Down to verse 11, so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. Now let's look at, uh, let's read from verse 12 all the way to verse 18. I'll read quickly. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities twenty and six thousand men, that drew sword beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men, left-handed, everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. Can you do that, Brother Brian? No. Okay, excuse me. And the men of Israel, beside Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men and drew sword. All these were men of war. And the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day, 22,000 men. Father, we love you. We pray that you bless this message, this service, this sermon. Speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The mission. So let me uh, review the story. I've been through Judges a couple times with the church, and it's one of my favorite books of the Bible to study. I think it's very relevant for our day and age. So what leads up to the, what we just read is this. There, uh, 
there's a priest that has been traversing through the country. He has uh, tried to reconcile and, uh, with his wife who had left him and played the role of a harlot. And so convinces her and her father or his father-in-law to, that, hey, I'll take care of her and I, I want things to be right. And so as they travel back to his home, uh, <clears throat> they make a decision to stop in a particular city called Gibeah, which was uh, under the government of the tribe of Benjamin. They came in late, and there was a farmer there that took them in, and that man and his wife had no idea how evil the community really was. And that night, men from the city came out and banged on the door, kind of like Sodom, kind of like what took place with Lot. And the farmer, the owner of the house, came out and said, what do you want? And to let you know how depraved the thinking was at that time, the men of that city said, we want that man, just like Sodom, we want that man, bring him out to us. And the farmer says, and again, to let you know how depraved the thinking had become, the whole theme of Judges is every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When you have no government, no law, no, you have lawlessness. Anarchy. And wicked will rule. That farmer says, let me give you my daughter instead. Why well, as a dad think that's pretty depraved. And then for some odd reason, for some odd reason, uh, he gives up his guest wife. So his guest wife is taken into the hands of these men who were like sodomites. And all night long she is abused and they leave her at the threshold of the door of that house next morning that priest so much for being a good son-in-law he sees what has happened she's dead well he's disgusted about all of that and he cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends her body parts to the 12 tribes of Israel yes truth is stranger than fiction and there's a message there and we read a statement in our Bible about Israel and their attitude was as one man. They were all unified in their anger and their uh, indignation as to what has just transpired. And they gather together and this priest meets with them. They're wondering, what on earth were you trying to tell us? I mean... One tribe would get a hand and another tribe would get a foot. Uh, just different body parts. It was just absolutely hideous. And so the priest tells the leadership of the countries, of the tribes of Israel, this is what took place, and it took place in Gibeah of Benjamin. Well, they all want to do something about it, and rightfully so. And so they decide, well, we, we, justice needs to be executed. I agree. As a reader, I agree. 
I think you too would agree, justice needed to be executed. And so they, uh, they go to God for counsel. And God says, send Judah. And what happens is, when they go to battle, they lose. That's a head-scratcher. I mean, they're wanting to execute justice, and then they lose in battle. Well, didn't God say, send Judah? Well, He did. If you got your Bible, let's read a little bit farther. So, look at verse 22. And the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go up against him. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again. 18,000 men, all these drew the sword. Now it's a head-scratcher. They're wanting to execute justice. They're wanting to oust these wicked men from Gibeah. And since Benjamin won't turn them over, there's a civil war in the, in the Israel family there. Eleven tribes against one. And yet, for some odd reason, these eleven tribes cannot conquer Benjamin. Oh, that's strange. Is God for Benjamin? No, not at all. Because I've read their whole story. Well, what's going on? Well, let's read on and we'll bring this together. So we left off at verse 26. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day. You know, when you fast, you're saying, uh, the flesh is no longer going to rule me. That's what you're saying. I will not be ruled by my flesh, by my physical appetites, until even, and offered burnt offerings. Now this is significant, because burnt offerings have to do with a substitutionary sacrifice. They have to do with uh, sin. It doesn't take a deep study on a burnt offering to understand that we're talking about, they're mindful of their sin now. And then, peace offerings. It's one thing to be forgiven. It's another thing to have fellowship restored. Are you with me? Now they've done something they hadn't done before. Are you with me? They, the Three times they've come to the Lord about this issue, and twice they've been defeated, and this time they come to the Lord a little more repentant. Well, a lot more repentant. And notice what happens. So verse... 27, and the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phineas, we hadn't read his name earlier. We hadn't read about Phineas till just now. And Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease 
And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. I'm not going to read the rest, because the rest is exactly what God said would happen. Benjamin does lose. Justice is served. So we read this and we say, well, why did all that have to take place? Let's consider this idea of the desire for permission. Uh, Twice Israel gains permission to go to battle only to be defeated by Benjamin. The first time, ladies and gentlemen, I declare, was presumptuous. Look back at verse 18 real quick. And the children of Israel arose up and went to the house of God and asked counsel and said, Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? They didn't, even, they didn't ask, should we go up? They just said, which one of us should go up? They'd already predetermined that vengeance is theirs. They will repay. Hello. Presumption. Which of us shall go up rather than should we go up? And then the second time, they prepare to go up. Then ask, shall we go up? And God says, sure, go ahead. But then the third time, all the children of Israel, they wept, fasted, offered burnt offerings, peace offerings, referring to atonement for their sins and restored relationship to God. And this time they had a mediator. This time the mediator stepped up for them. Who is the mediator? Phineas. Jesus is our mediator. Yes, he's our mediator. Phineas, who had the blessing of God on his life, steps up and he prays for them and God God speaks to Phineas, and this time God did something that he didn't do before. This time God gave a promise, not just permission. Now this is very important, because I don't know about you, but I know many a times in my life I've wanted permission regardless of the promise. I mean, I, even before I got right with the Lord... I remember asking for permission to drive my dad's truck. He had a Dodge Ram. I think I was 16 years old. We had dirt roads. It was wintertime, and I remember thinking to myself, well, I had a, once I got in that thing, it had roll bars in the back. I thought I was somebody. I got permission. Although Dad did give me some counsel, be careful. Well, I'm 16, I had selective hearing. I got in that thing, and I remember there was this, we called them two tracks, on the outskirts of Kingsley. And uh, I forget, no, nobody was with me. I was in that truck by myself. Because I remember, I never, seatbelts were not the law at this time. But I buckled up because I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> I wanted to throttle this thing through the woods. And I did. Until a tree got in my way. It just jumped right out in front of me. 
And then I didn't want to go see my dad. And I'll tell you how smart I was as a 16-year-old. I left that truck where it lay. And I walked back and told Grandpa, and I didn't go back to my dad's house. I was afraid. There's a lot of things I had permission to do that didn't turn out well. Even as a Christian. Even as a Christian, there's been a, there have been a lot of things that I thought, I'd like to do that. And Lord, if you'll let me, I will. But just because the Lord will let you do something doesn't mean it's going to turn out well. See, we need to beware of just seeking permission. When having... You see, God's presence is more important than getting permission. In Exodus chapter 33, we've got a few moments. I'd like to do a Bible study and let God's Word speak to our hearts. Exodus chapter 33, this is Moses' attitude. And by the way, how many of you would agree that Moses wanted to go into Canaan land? Okay, if you disagreed with me, all you've got to do is read the Bible. He pleaded with God to let him go into Canaan land. But they had come to this particular area where Moses has just dealt with a horrible sin amongst the people of Israel. And now Moses is praying and asking God for counsel and direction. And this is what we read here in verse 12 through 17, Exodus 33. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wit wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, this is God speaking, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, Moses, if thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. He's saying, I want more than direction. I want you. I read on. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, and I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And what we would read on if we took time is that God reveals some of himself to Moses. Moses says, I don't want to go any farther unless I know you're with me. I've just seen something terrible here. My own brother made an idol. I just God, I've I got to know that you are with me. What I'm trying to tell you here, ladies and gentlemen, the lesson to, of Judges, chapter 20, of the story we just read is, we need something more than permission if we're going to have the blessing and power of God in our life. If we're going to enjoy life, just because you get what you want doesn't mean you get what you need. And the reality is, Father does know best. I mean, many of you are old enough now to look back and say, boy, did I make some foolish decisions. And in many cases, many cases, we look back and we realize, you know, mom and dad were a lot smarter than I thought they were. You see, when you're 
more concerned about the presence of God going with you than you are just permission, you're not going to feel comfortable living in sin. Herein lies a big distinction between Christians who go the distance, Christians who experience the true blessing of God, Christians who experience His freshness, His power, Christians who are able to be an influence and an impact, Christians who develop roots and stability. Herein lies the difference. They're not seeking just for permission to do what they want. They want the fellowship of God. They want the promises of God. They want the presence of God. And if they want that, they know in their own hearts I cannot feel comfortable living in sin, living in such a way that it hinders my fellowship with God. You will have His promise in the endeavors that He permits when you want His presence. Can you see Peter on that storm-tossed boat in a dark evening? And waves are splashing. And the boys in the boat said, Look, a ghost. And one of them had the sense and said, It's the master. And then before Jesus had actually got to the boat, Peter said this to Jesus. I'm going to come unto you, Jesus. Is that what he said? No. You know what he said? Bid me come unto you. Bid me. And the Lord said, come. And I know. I know the whole story. But you know, he walked on water. He followed the Lord. You know what? Why? Did he want to be somebody? He wanted to go to the Master. I believe he was concerned about fellowship. And because he was concerned about fellowship... He had that promise that if the Lord says, come, I can walk on water. The elements are no hindrance. So, what else do we learn here? There is a danger of just getting permission. Turn over to Psalms 106, verse 15, because a lot of times, listen, I'm no different than anybody in this room. I am not... um, Psalms 106, verse 15. There have been plenty of things I've tried to start here at this church that I think are good things. And I believe God gave me permission. But the end result proved it didn't have His promise. At least not at the time. Maybe later. Psalms 106 verse 15. And he gave them their request. But sent leanness into their soul. Now that is in reference to the wilderness journey. That is in reference to when the people of God were following Moses in the wilderness. They'd been eating manna. But they said, we'd like to have meat. I understand that. 
But they also said, this manna is getting old. We want meat. They wanted meat in the sense that they were saying, we don't like the manna. Now, the manna was angels' food uh, cooked in the kitchen of heaven. And deposited every morning. And there was enough for everybody. There was a right way to eat it. It had a honey flavor, is what they said. If you don't like honey, too bad. I bet God would have fixed your palate, though. Kind of a wafer honey. Apparently it had all the nutrition you needed. It was the all-in-one vitamin. Before Geritol was manna. I've not even heard of Geritol commercial. Geritol every day. Manna every day. So anyways, they, uh, they said, we want meat. And so God grants them their request. He gave them quail. He gave them so much bird, they couldn't pick it all up. And while they were eating it, it began to breed worms. And a plague started. God granted them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. What does that mean? He said, I, let, I gave them permission, but I didn't give them promise. And they're anemic spiritually as a result. They're weak spiritually. They have no strength or fortitude against their adversaries, because I'm not with them. Yes, I'll let them do what they want. Yes, they've complained and griped. I mean, every parent in here has probably done this. Mommy, I just want ice cream. I just want ice cream. I just want ice cream. I want ice cream. You don't need any ice cream. I just want ice cream. And so you go give the kid what they want, not because you know it's good for them. You're just sick of them complaining. You've never had that problem. All right. That's... The Lord has. Spiritual leanness comes when God gives us our desires rather than His will. He says, okay. Let's uh, look at some examples. Elisha. Remember Elisha and Elijah? Do you remember that episode there at the beginning of 2 Kings where Elisha witnesses Elijah get caught up in a chariot of fire? And now Elisha's the one that's left. He gets Elijah's mantle. And Elisha goes back across the river Jordan. He, where be the Lord God of Elijah? And he takes the mantle, cracks the waters, the waters part. And everybody, all the, the preacher boys are on the other side looking at that, thinking, that's incredible. He's got the Spirit of God on his life. And they say to Elisha, let us go find your master. And 50 of them kept saying, let us find... And Elisha knew, you're not going to find him. Oh, we want to go, we want to go, we want to... You're not going to find him. And finally, they complained, they begged until he was ashamed. And he said, go look. And they went for three days looking for him. And they didn't find him. And then he said, didn't I tell you so? He gave them permission. But it was vanity. It was vain. Here's another illustration of permission. 
Balaam. Balaam. Now, Balaam's an interesting character. Uh, I personally, I'm not going to argue with anybody, but I think, I believe he knew God. I, I really, that's obvious. I believe he was a saved man who was not right. Now, that's where some people might disagree. I just wonder why God would use him beforehand. Uh, anyways, I'm not going to break fellowship with you over that. But Balaam, apparently is to be a witness for God amongst the Moabites and the Midianites and what we'd call Gentiles. But Israel's coming through. Israel being led by Moses in the wilderness. The king of Moab has heard what Israel has done to these other nations, and he knows Balaam has connections with the Almighty, even though the king of Moab, his name is Balak, is not interested. He just knows uh, Balaam has connections. So he goes down, sends men, and uh, offers Balaam a lot of money and honor if he'll come up, come back to him and curse Israel. Balaam says, no, can't do it. The Lord won't let me. The Lord won't let me. It's in Numbers 22. I don't have time to turn there. And so the men leave. So Balak, King Balak, sends wealthier men, more money, more gifts, and this time Balaam said, well, let me ask the Lord, like the Lord may have changed his mind. And the Lord gives him permission. Yeah, go. But you know what happens, don't you? This is a great story. So he and his donkey are trodding along, heading back to, uh, heading back to the king. And they're going through this narrow pass, and as they're going, the donkey begins to veer toward the hedges. And Balaam's kicking his donkey, trying to get him back in the middle. But the donkey keeps going toward the hedges, and he kicks him, and finally he gets so upset at his donkey because his donkey stops. He gets a rod, and he whacks his donkey. This is a true story. Quick draw McGraw. You remember him? He was a donkey. The donkey looked up at Balaam and said, Why are you hitting me? Now you think that's surprising. Here's what I think is surprising Balaam carried a conversation with this donkey. Like this was the norm. That's what's shocking to me. I'm reading it thinking, do you guys talk often? It's pretty crazy. And the, the donkey says, have I not been faithful to you all these years? And Balaam said, well, yeah, but what are you doing this for? And then at that time, the angel of the Lord reveals himself. You know, old Balaam never did apologize to his donkey. Maybe he did, but it's not written. I don't know. What happened in that story? That's just another story where he got permission, but he didn't have the promise of God. All right. Here's another one. This dad had two boys. He's a wealthy dad. He, too, had a farm. One of the boys, the younger boy, had come of age and said, Dad... I'd like to have what's coming to me because I want to do some touring. 
Dad said, okay, son, but I've got everything you need here. But Dad, I, I just really want it. I'm ready. I'm ready to take what's mine and go. Dad says, well, son, I'm all right. And so the old boy heads out, and he ends up in a place called the Far Country. This means he's a long way from his father. But did he have permission? He had permission. Was it his father's will? No. But he got permission. We all know what happened to that fella. He lost it all, ended up in the hog pen. Thank God there was enough grace. He come to himself, hadn't lost all. He still had enough in his brain to understand my father's servants are treated better than I am. And he hobbled back home and he discovered dad loved him. Dad hadn't forgot. What I'm just trying to tell you, what we get out of Judges chapter 1 and that unusual story, that unusual story is, listen, dear child of God, I don't know what decisions you're pursuing. I don't know what you're going after, but I would say this, be careful you're not just looking for permission. Get something more than permission. Get to know God. Do you desire to please Him? Do you want Him with you in all the endeavors? Are you afraid He'll shortchange you and make life difficult for you? No, no, we'll make life difficult for ourselves. There's a big difference between permission and blessing. You will never be able to handle a wayward brother. This is back to Judges. Listen to this. What was the issue? Benjamin wouldn't take care of their problems, so the 11 tribes decided to take care of it. They were family. And these 11 tribes could not take care of it until they took care of themselves. Hello? Burnt offering, peace offering, fasting. What are they saying? Uh, We need God. Do you realize Dan, the tribe of Dan, is the first tribe to implement idolatry? Not Benjamin. Idolatry had been in Israel long before the incident of Judges chapter 20. They had some issues that needed to be taken care of. And it's significant that it says from Dan to Beersheba, they rose as one man. Well, they brought their sin with them too. And though you and I read this vulgar sin that took place as a result of these Gibeonites who were part of Benjamin, there was other sin going on that uh, dishonored, disrespected, spit in God's face. God says, I'm not going to bless you. You want permission to do battle? Go right ahead. You're on your own. We'll never be able to handle a wayward brother if we're not in good fellowship with God. David was wise to let the Lord handle King Saul. Galatians 6.1 says, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 and we'll wrap this thing up. For some of you, that's better than a cup of coffee. I realize that. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5, And why beholdest thou the mote 
that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Uh, <clears throat> we can't help our brothers until we take care of our own issues. And even then, it's up to the Lord to work on their behalf. More than permission. I think if we can remember that, that could save us a whole lot of unnecessary heartache. Because our Heavenly Father lets us do a whole lot more than... He gives us a lot more liberty, let me say this, than what we deserve. But the question is not, Lord, I want my rights. That should not be the question. Lord, guide me in the safe way. Guide me in your way. I like what old Agar said. Agar, he's a great fellow in the Bible, Proverbs 30. You know what Agar said? He said, feed me with food that's convenient for me. Lest I be full and I take the name of my Lord in vain. Or lest I be poor and I do something I shouldn't do. Or just give me enough because I am a weak man. Yep, he knew himself. Matter of fact, he said, I am more brutish than any other. You know why he knew himself? Because he knew God. And when we get to know God, we do see ourselves in our weakness and limitations. Lord, bless the message. Minister to our hearts. Thank you for the word of God. We will have a song of invitation. If you feel led of the Lord to come and pray, you're more than welcome to. We'll sing a couple stanzas of whatever Brian and Brother Brad put together. We love you, Lord. And I know, Lord, we, I have made many decisions that were simply for self-gratification and not for your glory. And you've been patient and merciful. I pray that this would help your people. Help us to think ahead, to ponder the path of our feet, to let all our ways be established. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Come on up, Brother Brian.